Would you open God's precious holy word to Psalm 70? If a Christian is true to his commitment to the Lord and to his word, if he is obedient to the scriptures and walks the path of faithfulness and righteousness before the Lord as best he can, he's going to live a life of persecution. And suffering. I was studying the next section in Luke that we're going to come to about about the time of the church in Luke 21. And it's rather pessimistic what Jesus says, you know, about the plight of a believer. The church in general, believers in the world until he comes again. We find ourselves, if we, if we try to, to walk the line, the, the plumb line, if we try, and we fall off, I know, from time to time, but if we try, we will find ourselves in the course of life as Christians Facing the same kinds of troubles that we faced before. It is because we have a sense of conviction and we have a biblical worldview that deeply rooted in our hearts cannot, cannot, be, cannot be broken. Folks should always know where we stand on, on something, on an issue. His enemies knew where Daniel would stand, Daniel the old man, after the fall of Babylon, but used by the new administration to keep things in order and make a transition of power. They convinced the king not to pray to any god but but the god designated by the king. You know the story. Daniel did what he always did. He threw his window open at the times of day for prayer, facing Jerusalem, and he prayed. He was thrown in the lion's den for it. The point is they knew that Daniel had an unwavering commitment in his life. And it didn't matter what the circumstances were, the intimidations, the threats, whatever. His allegiance and his obedience were to his Lord. Our God, the God of Israel. Same thing with us. I have noted, I keep a I keep a a prayer journal for years, years. (laughs) And it always has the same stuff on it. You'd think sooner or later some of this stuff would get settled, right? But it's because I'm walking in the world and the world is contrary 
to the path I try to walk. So these same things along the way that I have to pray for or pray against, whatever. David is like this. Now I have on the lower half of the slide a portion of Psalm 40 which David wrote much earlier in his life when he was facing a problem, serious problem. Now he's much later. As a matter of fact, he's probably an old man in chapter in Psalm 70 because it's generally believed that Psalm 70 and 71 are the same psalm, that Psalm 70 is an introduction and Psalm 71 is a prayer of an old man, the psalm. I know that psalm very well. And it's a much longer psalm. So here David is late in life. In, in Psalm 40, there he is much earlier in his life. But he is a man after God's own heart. He tried to walk the path and he did, but he fell off the path from time to time. And we are no better than David. But at least he was on the path in pursuit of the will and pleasure of God. Now he failed. He was a man of great of he was a man of great failure, a man of great faith, a man of great achievements. The Bible doesn't hide any of it. If you read his life, however, you will find that his life was a constant warfare. Either on the battlefield facing an enemy of Israel or in his household. Facing someone that should have been close to him. Or betrayed by friends, so-called friends and alliances People that he thought were close to him. And he prays about these things. So he finds himself just in, in constant turmoil in his personal life. Fighting all the time. This is, this is the path God had put him on. To paraphrase what the Bible says. As much as David wanted to be the one to build the temple. He couldn't because he was a man of war. He writes in one of his Psalms. You have taught my hands and my feet to do battle. So that's, that's how it was in his life. And you'll find also in his writings and in his life that he grows in his faith. And even though he gets older and weaker physically, he gets stronger in his spirit. So what we have here is in Psalm 70, we have a few verses that are practically the same as the last few verses of Psalm 40. So what he faced as a young man and prayed about, he's facing it again in his life. And so he prays again this psalm. So I've, I've to, to contrast the prayer life of a, of a believer, I've 
I've written the portions of, of 40th Psalm that are the same or practically the same as the verses in the 70th Psalm. So the 40th Psalm generally on the left, is tra- I translated, I put it in yellow fonts, the other one in white. So if you see in the upper side, if you see yellow words in the Hebrew in the upper part, in the larger fonts, those are the words that are different than what is in the 40th Psalm. And in the lower part, the white words are the ones that are different. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. I don't know if you care. It means something to me anyway. I enjoy this kind of stuff. Um, Because I, I think about this, you know, I've prayed some pretty hard and long prayers in my life and I face the same stuff. And sometimes if I think about it, I'm praying the same kind of thing all over again. Because I'm constantly pursued, as, as you are, by the enemy, by the world, by the flesh. So years separate these two prayers. But this is a God-inspired, it's in the Bible because it's God-inspired. God gave him these prayers. And this is, this is God giving him and then receiving the prayer that he gave him. So if you look down at the bottom first in the 40th Psalm, boy, that blue is hard to see. Uh, in f- verse 40, the bottom part, for the conductor of David, a song. Okay, that's, that's rather simple. But if you fast forward several years, David, the much older man, he says in verse 1 of 70, Psalm 70, for the conductor or the chief musician of David to remember, to recall. Lord, remember. I, your Bible may say a memorial or something like that, but this is the literal translation of that Hebrew word. For the conductor of David to remember. To recall. In other words, God invites us, at least from my perspective, in studying this passage of Scripture and looking at the contrast between the two Psalms, a portion of Psalm 40, which is all of Psalm 70, it it seems to me that. God invites us to remember how he has delivered us before, how he has responded. He never changes. God never changes. But in another sense, David also doesn't remind, although God never forgets, David doesn't mind calling on God to remember how he got him through this same kind of mess many years earlier. So, remember. Recall. Now, 
That's chapter 40 and verse 1. And that's the, the superscript, the beginning of it. And then at verse 2, uh, it's my verse 2. It may still be your verse 1. Here we go again. I'm, I'm getting it out of the Hebrew text. But anyway, it drops down to what is probably your verse 13. And then it finishes out from that verse on to the end of that psalm in Psalm 40 is the entire psalm of Psalm 70. If you look, if you, if, if you study Psalm 40, it's, it's in book one of the Psalms and we haven't covered that yet. We're in book two of the Psalms. But uh, David, David gives a much longer prayer. As you know, he says a lot of stuff. But in Psalm 7, he just gets to the point. You know, it's like, God, what's the use of reminding you? You don't, you know, you don't, you know, I've been through this. You understand the situation. So in the 70th Psalm, here's how he addresses the Lord. Elohim, which is God, or in the beginning of it, you could say, oh God. Elohim, hasten to deliver me. Yahweh to help me. Now it's understood when you when you see the the word hasten, that last Hebrew word over here, what's before it stands. So so the word hasten would apply to both uh, deliver and help. Hasten to deliver me, Yahweh hasten to help me. So he's in a mess. And it requires it requires Immediate help from the Lord. Suddenly something has come upon him and he finds himself in stage five here. He didn't get a chance to go through the first four stages because all of a sudden he's surrounded or somehow by enemies. Most likely the early part of his troubles had to deal with Saul and the troubles that Saul gave him and then the friends of Saul later. And the latter part has to do probably with Absalom, his own son. And if you study the account later in his life of how Absalom betrayed David, his father, you will see that things move quickly. This, this is a thing that just comes up and David would find himself, for example, in a field and he could hear the soldiers loyal to Absalom thrusting their swords and swinging their spears through the high weeds and he's just hunkered down there praying that'd be a pretty that would be a pretty sudden and uh intense time to call upon the lord for help so he doesn't he doesn't hesitate to ask the lord not to hesitate. Hasten to deliver me, Yahweh. Now look, down in the first prayer, down in that last verse on the slide, it's a little different from that verse. Down in the earlier Psalm, Psalm 40, he's, the, the Hebrew phrase, it, it means... Let me be pleasing and acceptable to you. 
That's how he starts here. Yahweh, personal name of God, to deliver me. Yahweh hasten to help me. But he moves right past that in the 70th Psalm. Elohim, God Almighty, hasten to deliver me. Yahweh, my friend, my covenant God, hasten to help me. He needs help and he needs deliverance because of his enemies, because of a situation. And really, you know, the faces may change over a period of years. But when you face the same kinds of circumstances, you have to know that it's always from the same enemy, who, of course, is Satan. And Satan finds, I guess in every church, he finds those who are willing or who are weaker or whatever to be swayed into becoming an adversary. And he has those kinds of people in every... I, I talk about the prayers. A lot of the pray, prayers of the pastor, those through the years... So man, I looked down at Rath and I said, I think this happened to me before. I go, you know, flip back 40 or 50 pages and there it is. Another 13 pages. Well, there it was there. I don't know who that guy was, man. You know, he's, he's dead. And I'd be all right with me. Um, no, nah, I love everybody. But um, same stuff. Same, same set of circumstances, the same kind of battle. It's just that the faces have changed. The people have changed, but the enemy has the same kind of attacks. It really has a limited number of ways to attack God's people because they're so successful. He doesn't need a whole lot of tricks. Now, this is David. He's facing the same, you know, remember Facing the same thing. Hasten to help me. Be pleased. Accept me in your pleasure, Yahweh, that you might deliver me and hasten to help me. Later on as an older man, Elohim, hasten to help me. Yahweh, hasten to help me, to deliver me. A little more intense. A little more down to the point. Not as verbose as he was as a younger man. Now he continues on. Let those who seek after my soul be shamed and disgraced. Let them be driven backward and dishonored who wish me evil. Now look at the verse. I guess it's verse 14. The parallel verse many years earlier. The prayer. So many years earlier. Let those who seek my soul. Now the word. Nafesh. Uh, it means life or soul. When God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And the breath with ruach, spirit. Man became Nefesh. He became a living soul. So this is his life. 
They're seeking everything about me, my soul, my existence, my life. Let them be shamed and disgraced. Now, earlier he said it this way, those who seek my soul to destroy it. Let them be shamed and disgraced together. He adds that little word in there. Let them be driven backward and dishonored who wish me evil. Same thing. So God is, the God, the Holy Spirit is pouring this prayer, this inspired word, this prayer into the life of David. Does it early in his life and again later in his life? And he says some things, a few, very few things that are different. But the flow of the prayer is still the same. It would be understood in Psalm 70, if they're after my soul, then they intend to destroy it. So he didn't use that word in the later prayer, the later psalm. Let them be confounded afterwards. In the later verse, he says, let them be turned back. Let them retreat from me. The earlier prayer, let them be confounded afterwards. Let them be confused. Put them into confusion. The later prayer, get them away from me. Because of their shame, who say, it's an interesting Hebrew word. It's like, aha, aha. It's like, na, 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 boo, boo, or something. It's, it's like, um, it's like, they see his demise, they see his weakness, and it makes them glad, and they sneer at him. That's what the Hebrew word says, and I guess the best translation is, aha. Let them be turned back. Now, they were saying same thing years earlier. It was to their shame. He says in verse 16, because of their shame. And he says in verse four, well, my verse four, because of their shame. This is to their shame that they have this kind of, of, of attitude, this kind of mindset. So let them, just get them away from me much earlier. Let them be confused, confounded, abashed because of their shame. The principles of prayer. Get them away from me. If you have to confuse them, it's to their shame and to their disgrace. And for you to bring me out of this situation will prove that they are shamed and disgraced, driven backward and dishonored. So this ends the prayer here. Let all be glad and rejoice in you 
And let those who seek you say continually, Elohim be magnified, those who love your salvation. Now that verse in Psalm 40, let all be glad and rejoice in you and let those who seek say continually. Uh, or let those, I made a different, it's not that big of a difference, but the ve, uh, the, the prefix ve, that's and. And the, the word and is not in the earlier prayer. Say, Elohim be magnified. Those who love your salvation. That's a little different in his earlier prayer. Let all be glad and rejoice in you. Let those who seek say, and it will be understood, seek you. Say continually, Yahweh be magnified, those who love your salvation. Yahweh Elohim, Yahweh be magnified, Elohim be magnified. All of the Godhead be magnified. My great Savior be magnified. Those who love your salvation. Salvation. The word Jesus, Eshua. The word Jesus is in that Hebrew word. And he ends it like this. But I am poor and needy, Elohim. Hasten to me. Now look what he says it earlier in his life. But I am poor and needy. Adonai thinks of me. Adonai, my master, my sustainer, my owner. Adonai thinks of me. He says in the later prayer, Elohim, hasten to me. In the later prayer, Psalm 70 says, you are Yahweh. My help and my deliverer do not delay. In the earlier prayer, he says, you are Elohim. Elohim, that's my God. You are my God. My help and my deliverer. Do not delay. It also teaches me that even though you face the same thing again that you faced before, we should, we should feel obliged still to pray. Like, you know, here he goes again. God, remember, recall. I've been through this before. I'm going through it again. And so the same, you know, the same principles, the same principles of, of prayer in a time of desperate need apply. And it's really God, if you take both of them and, and do the slight contrast that's made between them, it's God giving us really, through David's prayer, a great lesson in prayer. And faith. When David prayed these prayers, his life was on the line. It wasn't that he was just going to be late making a house payment or something. He was about to die. And he cried out to the Lord. So in our time of trouble and need, of course, we do no less. But consider the way that God is... He calls out to God. He's my master, my owner. He's my God. He's my savior, Yahweh. He's great God. 
the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He's Elohim. And I love his salvation. Let him be magnified. When he gets me out of this, people are going to know how great he is. Okay, we'll stop there and we'll have our deacon prayer time.